you're listening to this setup podcast that helps you navigate through new topics through interviews with the most disruptive players in the music industry, turning their experiences working behind the scenes into actionable advice you can use in your life, no matter your background. If you're passionate about paving your own path and inspired to connect with like-minded professionals, Hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite app because we'll set you up for success at the Setup Podcast. Have you ever heard of Saturdays are for the boys? You probably have when it went viral on Barstool Sports. My next guest on the setup helped make this a reality. He spent the first part of his career as a professor getting his PhD in entertainment law, James Landry dedicates his career to expose the pitfalls within music promotion and distribution and consults independent artists through his music marketing agency, music distribution platform, and podcast. He stays true to his mantra, so stick around and find out how he sets artists up for success. So I'd love to get started and introduce you guys all to James Landry. How are you? I'm good. So James, how did you get started in music? I started in music after graduating law school. I wanted to be a sports entertainment agent. And so what I did was I went back to New Hampshire and I found some kids I went to undergrad with who started a band and became rather big because uh, they made the song Saturdays for the Boys. And Barstool Sports posted it, and they gained a lot of traction and kind of blew up because of that. And I went back, took them out to dinner, and I was like, we need to treat your your music like a business because you now have the leverage and the ability to make money from it. And after presenting some uh, options to them, I signed them, and they were my first client in music. This is such a coincidence. I was just thinking of that song. Is that what you help them with? The rights and the business side of it? Yep. So the biggest thing I helped them with was understanding that they were offering a business. Musicians operate businesses because they're trying to make money with their music if they're putting it out there. So running a business gives you ability to form an LLC and gets you a bunch of tax breaks, as well as you can protect yourself and your personal belongings away from your artist belongings. So when you're buying beats or traveling to a show or studio time, that's all stuff you can write off on taxes. You can talk them a lot about marketing because as a business, you're going to market. You're trying to sell a product. And they weren't doing that necessarily. They were just releasing music and people liked it and it was cool. But once they saw that Barstool marketed their music and it worked, they realized they were missing out on a huge alley for revenue. So I helped them with that foundation, begin the marketing, get the correct contracts to protect themselves. And if you have the proper business foundation, a label's more likely to be happy to go into business with you because there's no secrets. They're not sure if you're going to get sued for a beat or stealing a verse or not paying a producer. And that's why I really helped them with at the beginning. So would you say that the challenges that a lot of artists are facing are the marketing aspect of their music? I'd say the biggest challenge for artists is to realize that if they give up a percentage of their income, a percentage of their streams to someone that isn't helping their business every day grow, they're never going to get that percentage back and it's going to hamper their ability to get a record deal or to make money off of their streaming. 
this goes marketing, distribution, managers, attorneys, everyone wants a percentage. And if everyone can get a percentage and you ever make it big, that artist will never be able to make any money off of their streaming because they've given everything away. First, understanding don't give away everything. If you can help it, you're better off paying a flat fee. Just because in the long run, that will save you hundreds of thousands of dollars, potentially. And when it comes down to it, that means marketing. Don't give up 20% for a manager to email blast people who don't care about your music. There's better ways to do the marketing. Don't give up 5% to an attorney to look over a split sheet when someone will do it for free. Or you can read online enough and kind of understand like, yep, I think I'm good. Don't give up 20% to a booking agent who might get you one show, but you won't make money off that show. Because now forever you're going to be paying that guy off. And standard in at least hip hop pop, 50% of all royalties are going straight to the producer. So if you're giving up 20% to a manager, now you're at 70%. There's only 30% left for you. And then there's distribution platforms that will take 15% or 85, so we have 15 more. And the lawyer's going to want five. And if you have a manager, you're at 20. So now you're at 105. You literally don't have enough to give up royalties and everything. That's so crazy. Once you work with someone, is there a way that you can undo it and stop working with those people? It depends. The heavyweights in the industry, I'll call them, are very good at making sure there's not. At least if they touch a song, they'll make sure that they have rights to that song forever. Um, you can have like a Taylor Swift and Scooter Braun, for an example, he knew what he was doing and attorneys in big labels know what they're doing. And if you're going into a position, if you're begging for a record deal, you need some leverage when you go into these deals. And people don't usually have leverage going to an attorney or going to a record label. Usually they're just helping for help. And that's when they get advantage taken of them. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about like what you're doing because of these challenges that you've been seeing. Tell us a little bit about De Novo Agency, which you founded. That was founded in 2017. It initially was founded as a entertainment agency. Elliot and I, Elliot was part of the band that made Saturdays for the Boys. And I hired him away. He was working with Libby Mutual. He was doing analytics for them. I need someone to do data for me because everything is data-driven now. Artists don't have the ability to do data-driven marketing if they don't know what it means. So what we did was we opened up everything we had for partnerships to everyone for a flat rate. And we talk to our clients every month to talk about the data and figure out what they should be doing next in terms of releasing music, promoting a certain song. Because artists may think a song is great, but if the audience doesn't, it doesn't matter. So De Novo Agency's biggest thing is doing all of this without taking a percentage. Obviously, we think that if someone's willing to do it flat rate, you should, you should let them. And as an artist, you should Take as many hats as you can and do them all yourself until you can't. And marketing is one of those things that a lot of people just can't do themselves. And instead of hiring someone to do it, and like I said, giving up the 20%, we'll do it for a flat rate depending on how, what the impact you want to make and making sure you understand the implications of moves you make with your music business. So just to give the listeners a little bit more insight, you, you pretty much do all of the promotion whenever an artist released music. And a lot of that is finding the audience that the music will resonate with through different data sources and then also um, organically fitting it into a Spotify playlist. Yeah. So our goal 
is to find that target audience for you and get to Spotify to learn who you are. When you put a song in a playlist, you get some data based on who's listening to that song. But you, what you get is you find people who like the song. Spotify knows the people that will be fans of your music. So when Spotify learns who you are and finds patterns in that data, they'll start to promote your music and discover weekly. And they'll promote it to people that they know will be a fan of that song. That's what we want. We will target a wide range of people hoping to find some people. Maybe someone loves your song, they'll become a fan of you. But really what we're trying to do is feed Spotify data and let them learn who likes your music. So when they start promoting it, you'll see that organic growth through Discover Weekly and these customized playlists. The issue right now with the playlist industry is people are paying for either fake playlists or they're paying with the expectations that they'll be on Spotify main editorial playlists like Grab Caviar or Today's Hit Music. It doesn't work that way. Until Spotify finds data and patterns and knows that listeners like your music, they won't promote because they don't care about the musician. They care about the people paying them. And the people paying them are the listeners. So they want to keep the listeners happy. And they'll only put your music in front of those listeners when they know it'll make those listeners happy. Once we get that data and once Spotify starts promoting you, that's when we help you craft a plan. Uh, maybe it's Instagram ads. Maybe it's Facebook ads. Maybe it's a lyric video. There's a bunch of ways to go about it. We want to craft a plan in terms of right now with COVID, advertisements. Because we can't go do shows. But once you're able to do shows, we want to be able to craft a plan that will allow you to go to a venue and say, hey, venue, I have 4,000 fans in this city. I bet you I can get 10% of them, 400 of them, to come to the show tonight. You should let me play. That will work better than going to a venue and saying, hey, listen to my song. Isn't it great? The venue may think the song's great, but if you're not selling tickets, they're not making money. So we want you to have that data and be prepared to go to a venue and say, let me play here. I can make you money. Wow. That is such a unique approach to it. The data doesn't lie. So it's not like a subjective thing as understanding if a song's good enough for their you know, fans that go to that venue. So that I think is an opportunity for 2020 with tech being so big. How would a typical independent artist promote their music if they were doing it on their own? Without talking to anyone or knowing anything, what they do is post on Instagram and they ask people, hey, listen to my song. Please listen. Please listen. <laughs> I've never wanted to listen to someone's song when they're begging me to listen to their song. Without even working with us, the best advice I can give to an artist in terms of marketing is instead of saying, please listen, it is, hey, thanks everyone who's already listened. That's it. Now what you're doing is getting those people interested in, oh, wow, 10,000 people listened? What am I missing? That is, you're way more likely to get someone to click on your ad because of that than you are saying, hey, I have a new song coming out. Please listen. No one's interested in finding a new artist on Instagram. They don't go on Instagram to listen to new music. They go on Spotify and listen to playlists and then try to find new music that way. Mm-hmm. Especially the ones that are related to the music that I've already been listening to. Exactly. If we can get Spotify to learn who likes your music and they can promote it and do the daily mix or discover weekly, that's when listeners will come across your music and give it a chance. They don't want to give it a chance if they're on Instagram, sitting in their house, watching TV with their significant other. That's really true. For as long as you've been doing this, how have you been seeing the landscape change? We know streaming is 
what's going on right now, I think the biggest change we have had is coronavirus. What I've seen is streaming is going down right now because of COVID. Um, I think commuting is going away. There's going to be a lot of people who work from home now forever. And that means they're not listening to music on their drive to work and back, and they're not listening to music at the gym right now. So they're not consuming too much music that they get sick of what they're listening to. So they're not actively looking for new music. Knowing this, we also have seen patterns that show people are not consuming YouTube videos, music videos the same way, because they're not looking for entertainment that way. They're not looking to listen to music that way. They want content. They want to be engaged. So I've seen a big influx of people wanting to watch behind the scenes type videos, like get to know the artist type videos, connect with the fans on a personal level. Instagram live videos have done amazing things for artists. If you can get on with another artist and try to split fan bases, it's working because people want to be entertained. Eventually, I'm sure it goes back, but right now that's what the industry seems to be leaning towards. I agree. I think right now is a really good time to connect further with artists who are stuck at home and not busy, you know, traveling and visiting other people and, you know, just having a busy life. So right now they're super accessible. And I think fans are really capitalizing on that. When an artist isn't touring, I think it's a really great idea to continue their live performances on Instagram or YouTube or Twitch or what have you. On the other side of things with your new company, Songflower, that's also really exciting. How does that tie into DeNovo Agency? So the direct tie-in with Songflower really comes down to we have people coming up to us every day and asking what distribution platform should they use? And I've never been comfortable giving an answer because right now there's options. You can pay every year, you can pay upfront and a percentage of your royalties, or you can just give up a percentage. People think these are great. Like, Oh, $20 a year is nothing. But if you think about that, that's $20 a year forever. So you may be done music. You can have a family. You still want your music up there because you're making money off of it, but you're still paying $20 a year. So at some point, it's not going to be worth the $20 because if you're only making $19 a year, it's not worth paying $20. On the other end of it, royalties is if your song takes off and you're giving giving away 15% of all streaming, it's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars to have that song up. And forever, if that song takes off, you're looking, you might pay out $250,000 just to distribute a song. All distribution platforms do the same thing. There's no need to pay the distribution platform more than once when they only have to pay once. I've always been taught in terms of money, if you can pay up front, you're better off than paying forever. Kind of, this is what Sony does. This is what I, all the big record labels do. They pay up front. They get paid, the song goes on, that's it. They don't have to worry about it again. But independent artists have not had that choice. Up to now, independent artists have always had to pay consistently. So what Songflower is going to do is one-time payment for a single, one-time payment for an album. Song goes up, it stays up forever. Wow. It's so interesting in an instance like this with the distribution side of it, where you would have to pay a royalty towards whoever is doing this for you. Would you say that having a background in law helped out with what you're doing now? So having a background in law has helped me understand all of this stuff, just because I see the pitfalls that musicians were falling into. And this has just been the standard of the music industry. In terms of industries music seems to be the only one that's just like oh that's just how we always have done it so when i learned about how you distribute music publishing rights ASCAP, BMI, all that stuff i learned 
That's just how it works. You get paid that flat rate, the government said it. Oh, you want to get distribute a song? Yep, this is just how it works. Here's your options. These are the big companies. Pick one and just go with it. I think being able to read into those contracts and seeing what you were giving away is where I found the gray area and said, there's no need to do this. I was able to negotiate with companies like Spotify, Apple Music and stuff like that on my own and not pay a third party and save myself a bunch of money. So I'm able to get these contracts and able to offer something that other companies like Sony can, but choose not to. Like you said, there's so many different elements that go into an artist throughout their career. What do you focus on first when an artist like comes to you? The first thing I want to get to know about an artist is to know what have they been doing and what do they ultimately want? Because I need to know that they're invested in investing in themselves. There's a lot of artists, just like I said, they ask you to listen to their song. They're just going to ask for help and beg for help and say, I don't want to pay. You should do it for free. I'm the next big thing. And my response is always, tell me how you are. Show to me anyone likes your music. And people can. So what I'm really looking for is when I talk to an artist, I want to know what they've been doing. Have they been spending the money to record in a studio or at least invest in a studio? Mix and mastering is very important. Um, and $100 can go a long way in getting the correct master. And I want to know what is their ultimate goal. It can be signed to a record label, but I want to know if they've thought about it. Signing to a record label, does it, do you know that gives away your creative control sometimes? Do you know that you're going to get paid up front, but you may not ever get paid again? Do you realize that 98% of people signed to record labels don't make more than $30,000 a year? There's a lot out there that I want to just kind of give the artist information and see how they react and see if that changes their mind in terms of what their ultimate goal is. That also makes sense because there are so many different avenues that they could take, like whether their goal is touring or, you know, releasing their next album. That's a really great first step on helping them develop their career. So I'm very interested to hear your perspective on the new media that's out there. Obviously, with the like re- the evolution of um, all these different social media platforms and streaming services, how do you think platforms like Instagram or TikTok will affect the way artists promote their music? I reservations of it. A lot of people think going viral will make them have a hit song and be all over the radio. Like, look at the average user of TikTok. Look at their age. And then tell me, have you ever heard a song that went viral on TikTok on the radio? I couldn't tell you any song that's been viral on TikTok because that's not what they're known for. So I always ask an artist, are you trying to be known Instagram famous or TikTok famous, or do you want to be known for your music? And most artists are going to say music. So change your marketing. Let TikTok and let Instagram be part of the recipe, but it's not the main ingredient. You're much better off having 10,000 monthly listeners on Spotify than you are 10,000 Instagram followers because one of those pays you. 10,000 streams on TikTok means next to nothing when most of these people are in middle school and aren't even paying for their own Spotify or Apple Music. But investing in having a TikTok influencer to make a dance for you, I always have issues. Whereas we had another song recently, his song caught on just by people just posting it consistently. He did nothing. He just found out one day. And really, great. Now let's talk about how you can use that. 
that organic growth is much better than paying and trying to force your song to become a dance. And then if it does become a dance, it becomes viral. You need a strategy of turning it into your music career. The only person I know that can go from TikTok to actual music is pretty much Drake. Drake released his last song with the purpose of it being a dance on TikTok. And it just became a hit because it's Drake. But Drake goes, well, I have an album. I don't want to release an actual album. So I'm going to release a mixtape. I'm going to release a song that someone can dance to on TikTok. Why about promoting like a music video? So I like to think of a music video as a way to lengthen the life of a song. So a song is good when someone hears it for about two to three weeks. So my favorite example of this is DaBaby. He released an album. He started with a song intro. He went to Bop. He went to Vibes. And then he went back to Bop about five and a half weeks later with a music video. So he made Bop last about 10 weeks total. Because he got the Jabberwockies in it. He got everyone in it. People loved the music video. They started listening to the song. So it charted again. That's the use of a music video. It is to get people reinterested and lengthen the amount of time until you have to release another song. When people are listening to music, they're going to certain platforms to listen to music. People go to TikTok to be entertained. They may not be going to TikTok to listen to a music video. People go to Instagram to look at pictures and videos, mostly on mute, not to find new music. So if you're promoting a music video, you're asking someone to leave the platform they're on and go and listen to someone they've never heard before. That's a huge request. By the time they get there, most likely YouTube's going to give them something else to watch. But the odds of it working are slim to none. So you can't rely on just that one platform. TikTok is still so very new to me. <laughs> I tried to make like my first video and I just, I don't know if it's like above my capabilities or I could be in a different mindset. I just, for whatever reason, it just doesn't click. Have you tried making your own before? No, I miss a uh, Vine. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> so it's one of those, like, I definitely recommend everyone to have stuff on there. Maybe if people are using your music, share their videos on your TikTok, just to have a whole TikTok of just your music. Look at me, look at me. But that's it. What are the main income streams that these independent artists rely on? The top two income streams for independent artists are shows and merchandise. They always are. That's even for record labels. Streaming, you'll never make as much money back as you invest. If it's legit streaming, you'll never get that. There will never be a service that you can pay $30 and you'll make 35 But you can't sell merchandise unless you have fans. And if you have merchandise, you have to advertise that merchandise to fans. So it all goes back to streaming because you need the streaming data to get the shows and to sell the merchandise to the people who go to your shows. Be prepared. Don't just go to a show with nothing. At least have something. Have a pre-order form. Have something. If you do in bulk, you can get sweatshirts for like $16, sell them for $40. That's a good chunk of change. That's more money than you're going to make off of streaming if you're advertising to get streams. And how does streaming work? Usually you're paid about three to four months after the stream occurs. Um, you only get paid for someone who listens to your song for more than 30 seconds. And each platform pays a different amount. Um, Spotify pays a fourth of a penny. Apple Music pays a sixth of a penny, I think, right now. And over the next three years, it's going to slowly increase to like 1.1 pennies because the government has mandated it. And that's per stream. That means right now, if you have 100,000 streams on Spotify, I think you get paid about $600. You need millions of streams to make any money. 
Spotify is making a lot of money off musicians. But at this point, you need to do streaming because if you don't have streaming, you're not going to be found. It used to be even worse. The government has kind of stepped in recently with the Music Modernization Act, but it's still a slow climb and it will never be enough money to live off of just streaming alone. And what is the Monetization Act? So the Music Modernization Act passed in 2018, I believe. Kid Rock was standing next to Donald Trump at the White House. I don't know if anyone remembers that image. (laughs) And they signed the bill, the Music Modernization Act. And what they did was they set streaming royalty increases for the next five years. And they changed how Spotify and Apple Music can use any song they want. I don't like the second part personally, because they stripped the right to for an artist to license their own copyright. They stripped it and said, Spotify, Apple Music, you guys can use it as long as you pay a flat rate. So Eminem is actually suing Spotify right now about this. His publishing company is suing Spotify over this. And the reason this was signed was it pays more money to the artist. Why Spotify and Apple Music let this happen was because it gave them more control and the ability to use any song they want to place on their platform. So if you remember back in like 2013, Taylor Swift refused to be on Spotify. That wouldn't be able to happen right now, the way the Music Modernization Act is written. They could still put her on there and just pay. And she wouldn't be able to do anything. Oh, so they so artists do not have the opportunity to disapprove their songs being placed on Spotify. Wow, that is crazy. My goal is to put as much information out on public for free. And when it comes to clients of DeNovo or the law firm or Songflower, specific questions they have, I am there to help them understand how it applies to them specifically. That is incredible. And that's actually how I came across your profile is through all the the different little clips that you have on certain topics, which I found very interesting. What are some other sources that you would recommend that you have either read or listened to throughout your journey for these artists and aspiring professionals to take a look at? Something else we also do is we go live every Wednesday night on Facebook, YouTube, and sometimes Instagram, we change it up. We record those all. Those become our podcast. But we answer specific questions that are asked to us. Um, outside of us specifically talking to you, we've released ebooks on the fat on these topics, just kind of giving an overview of your music business. I always recommend people buy Donald Passman's book, All You Need to Know About the Music Business. It's on Amazon. That's like thirty dollars. I think he just came out with a new version. I think every artist should have that book. Outside of that, you just need to figure out how it applies to you specifically. He comes out with like a new edition every year, it seems like. What do you see as like the next big thing to happen? I think the biggest thing we're going to see happen in the music industry is sync fees are going to drop dramatically. People aren't going to be able to charge as much money to get their music on a TV or commercial. These commercials are going away. And we're going to see a big uptick in local stations forming. Again. We're going to get that underground radio stations back. Each city is going to have their own type radio station. And it's going to allow for independent artists to be back on the radio and maybe get some buzz in their hometown or some other towns that without needing the connections that record labels have. Hmm. That's very, that's very interesting. And I actually just read an article the other day regarding um, sync fees with bigger brands using music. I don't know if you've seen that, but bringing it back to TikTok is what brands have been doing to kind of overcome the 
use of others' music by taking it from TikTok's library. The Washington Post is the ones who found out TikTok was changing their ways. And the reasoning behind it is TikTok was going to get sued. They are going to lose the right to a lot of big music. And if TikTok didn't change what they were doing, they were going to lose Sony's agreement. They were going to lose a bunch of agreements because they were allowing businesses to use songs that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to get without the permission. It, it's just a matter of time until influencers, same thing's going to happen, and same thing with Instagram. Right now, it's a blanket license, and companies know those don't work in terms of getting the full value of a song, say, Jack Harlow's What's Popping. They can get a lot more money for that if Best Buy wants to use it in an advertisement than right now if Best Buy were to post an Instagram story with that song playing in the background. That opens another can of worms. How does like a platform like Instagram obtain music from these artists? So it's not from each individual artist. It's from like Spotify or the distribution platforms. So we have the ability to do it on Songflower. I have the ability to put a song on a Coca-Cola machine through Songflower. The big thing is these licenses are for personal use usually. Mm -hmm. So an individual can use it and not a company can't just go and use a song in advertisement. Because using a song in advertisement is different than you posting a video at the pool with a song playing in the background. Mm -hmm. So the moment you release a song on Spotify, it's going to be on Instagram. It may not have the lyrics, but the song's going to pop up in the library. And what Instagram and TikTok are going to have to do is limit businesses and verified accounts from using certain songs. But they can't limit all verified accounts, just the ones who are promoting a business. So it's going to be a mess. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. When when will it happen? Yes. And so do you think there are going to be different variations of like licensing then more than there already is? I could see increased licensing fees. Um, the issue I see coming with this is, say they wanted to limit my use because I'm running businesses. Right now, they could limit my use. Boom, take it. But I can just start a new profile. And now we'll just remove the business from my profile and be like, nope, I'm just James. <laughs> I happen to run businesses, but I'm just James. And now how are they going to police that? Because if I don't hold myself out as a business, they can't flag me as a business. Now. Right. And their whole platform has been built on Oh, this is a business. Look at you can shop, you can click on these buttons. And those are the issues I see coming. Like if I see it start to happen, I may just remove my business from my profile. It's either gonna be that or it's gonna be Instagram's gonna pay a lot more money to each of these labels so that the labels go, yeah, it's worth it, whatever. We don't care. And that's most likely what's gonna happen because Instagram's not going to want to have to police everyone. Where labels don't aren't doing that with TikTok yet. It's very easy for a label to make, no, can't use my song. And TikTok, I don't think they have that ability yet to be like, oh, we'll pay you off. That's what Instagram's going to do because Instagram's owned by Facebook. Wow. Do you have any advice that you'd like to offer individuals who are aspiring to work in, the, in this side of the industry? My biggest piece of advice would be don't do what everyone else has done. You have to be different somehow. If you want to be on this side of the industry, you want to get clients, you need to provide them something they don't already have. Or you have to do something they don't already do. You have to know something they don't already know. And you have to be different because there's a bunch of attorneys and managers and publishers out there 
that would be happy to take any client for 5%, 10%, 15 20%. There's fewer people that are willing to just take a client under their wing and go, nope, I'll work for free. And I always tell artists, there's no need to sign a manager who actually can't help you. If you're just signing someone because they can manage you, cool. But it's all about the connections. So if you're trying to work in this side of the industry, start making those connections. Show up, shake hands, don't be embarrassed. You have to be comfortable saying hi to everyone and not be afraid of asking for something when it comes time. But you can't just think that an email blast is going to do enough. Think about what would it take for you to listen to someone new? And from there, that's how you can craft your approach to working with an artist. That's really incredible advice with how tight knit the industry is. It's who you surround yourself around too. And being able to bounce ideas off one another and having those connections on with people that have been in it for, you know, a little bit. On the flip side, what are a couple of tips that you would give artists who are just beginning? So my biggest piece of advice for all artists is music is still new to those who haven't heard it before. So if you release a song in 2017 and no one listened to it, do not go investing in releasing new music until you find out who likes the other song. You can market old music. Lizzo's song, Truth Hurts, was over two years old when it finally became big. Artists need to realize that just because it's old to you doesn't mean it's old to someone else. And you can use that and leverage that to find a market to release your new music to. Just releasing music over and over again is just throwing music into space and hoping something changes isn't going to work. Russ's model of releasing one song at a time was after he found out that people were only listening to the first two songs on his album. He already had a listening base of like 15,000 people. And what he did, he looked at 92% listened to the first song and 50% listened to the second. And then it went down after every song. So he said, well, I want people to listen to every song I have. So he released one song at a time. But you have to get the fan base before you can do that model. People always want to be consistent and release a new song every week. But you can't release a new song every week to no one because it's never going to do anything. Everyone's audiences is different. And it affects the way that they should be marketing. So they shouldn't have to feel like because, you know, X, Y, and Z artist is doing this, I should too. So that's really interesting that Russ acknowledged that, which is unfortunate that um, people are only listening to the first two, but that's really cool that he was able to flip um, the switch and release accordingly. So thank you so much for all this insight. Like I definitely learned so much about music promotion and distribution. What's the best way to reach you? Best way to reach me is going to be on Instagram, um, James Landry underscore questions about marketing you can message to nova agency that's exactly what i did so he's not lying guys like he definitely answers his instagram messages so thank you so much again james it was such a pleasure to have you on this episode the setup thank you for having me thanks for joining me for another episode of the setup if you enjoyed this episode on music marketing and distribution please review my podcast on apple Podcasts. It's the best way you can let us know. And feel free to share this episode with your friends and colleagues on Instagram. If you have any topic recommendations or questions, visit us at www.thesetupseries.com. 
If you like the Setup Podcast, check out the tour life hosted by my friend Janine, where she interviews music industry professionals who share their stories on and off the road. Thanks, and see you next episode.